Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. So I, I know we're, we're you know, right in, the, in a good space. I can't say if we're in the middle or not, because I don't know how long we'll be going. But um, we've been talking from the, this message theme victory lap, right? Jesus has already won a victory. Our lives are in response. Our lives should be lived in response to the victory he's already won. He won a victory for us. He's already secured it. Secured it. So I don't have to fight for the victory. The victory has already been won. I'm living in response to the victory that he's already won. Amen or amen? Amen. amen. And uh, today we're going to talk from the message title. You ready for it? To be continued. To be continued. You can go ahead and tell your neighbor, pastor is talking from the message title, To Be Continued. And here's the thing. Our lives, the lives that we live, our lives are an continuation of the life that he lived. We live in continuation of the life that he lived. We live in continuation of the victories that he won. Our lives are in are and continuation of the life that he lived. And even to push it further than that, parents, grand, uh, grandparents, adults, leaders, example setters, our children's lives are in a, in continuation of ours. Our lives are a continuation of Jesus. That's for every believer, every believer. But then to bring it even, even you know, more home to us, our children's lives are in continuation of ours. They start off where we leave them, right? A few weeks ago, I was praying about some things, and Holy Spirit showed me that, you know what? We, we, talk, we can talk a lot about the, the, the challenges that they face, and we can talk a lot about the, the, um, the changes in, in values and the, the, um, the things that, that happen in, you know, the younger generation. But the truth is they start with our issues, the issue that you don't solve, your children will face. The challenge that you don't overcome, they will have to fight it. They struggle through the knots that you didn't untie. That's the truth. So whether on the good end and also on the negative end, their lives are a continuation of the lives that we live. They start where we finish. And I love John chapter 17. Because in John chapter 17, Jesus is, you know, this is, I, you know, the way that I see John chapter 17. And I know just a, what, a month or so ago we had the NBA championship, right? And I love watching the championship games just like everybody else. But what I love even more is to listen to the speeches that come afterwards. I want to hear what the champs got to say. I like to listen to what champions have to say. Because in that, that championship speech, they give you their mindset, for all that they endured, all they went through in order to secure the victory, they let you know, you know, the truth behind it, you know, after that game, right? So I look at John 17. John 17, to me, is like Jesus' victory speech. It's the championship speech. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is that, you know, Jesus don't wait till after the game to declare the victory. He already knew that he was going to win. So here he is in John 17 declaring some things in light of the victory that he had or he was going to already secure. 
This is before the cross, before the big game, before game day. He's already speaking some things, right? And what he does in John chapter 17, I love it. He starts out by talking about how he would be glorified and how he has glorified the Father God. But then the, the, the rest from like verse 7 on, he talks about how he's going to glorify those who had been trusted to him. That's you and me. He shares how his life and the things that he did was really to benefit other people. And this is the mindset that we have to have. This is a mindset that we have to carry. Jesus was saying the life that I live wasn't really for me. It wasn't about me. I lived the way that I lived for this group of people who've been trusted to me. And we've got to take on that same mindset as parents, as elders, as leaders. I'm living this life, and it really is not even about me. we got to get to the place where this life that I live is not about me. This life that I'm living is about these people who've been trusted to me. i got to have victory. I'm going to glorify the Father. I'm going to reveal some things so that they can walk in the revelation. I'm going to reveal some things. I'm going to uncover some things so that they can walk in the revelation of it. That's what Jesus is saying. Amen? So we're going to start there in John 17. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and flip there. Tap, tap there, whatever you got to do. If you ain't bring your Bible, then they're going to put it on the screen so that you can follow along with us. Amen? Amen. John chapter 17, starting at verse number 1. And we're just going to go through it today, have us a little Bible study. Right in John chapter 17, we're going to go as, we'll go as far as, as the young ones can stand it. Amen. Glory to God. John chapter 17, you got it? Starting at verse number one. You pick a version. I don't know. I got, I know you ain't got the version I'm about to go through. Um, Amplified, that's my favorite, so you can look at Amplified. Talking to the text in the back. Y'all ready? All right, starting at verse number one. Jesus spoke these things. Jesus spoke these things. He's praying. He's praying to God. Jesus spoke these, these things, looked up to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. And I believe all of us got to get to a place in our lives where we realize that the hour has come. I'm not waiting on the hour. We're not waiting on the hour anymore. I'm not, I'm not delaying my best performance for the spotlight. I'm living every day in expectation of the light being shined on me. The spotlight will come. Do you understand that? I'm not putting off my best moment for some, you know, future time that I think everybody's going to be watching. No, the hour has come. The hour for your best effort has come. The hour for you to get your shine on, shine on. Today is the day. Today's the day. Do you hear what I'm saying? Our hour has come. Look at the person next to you and tell them your hour has come. You're not waiting. You're not waiting on some moment. You're not waiting. No, today is the day that you put your best foot forward. Today is the day your hour has come. Amen. Glory to God. Don't delay your best day. Don't delay your best day. Have your best day every day. Don't delay your best day. Declare that every day is your best day. Every day you put your best foot forward. Don't delay your best day. Don't, don't put off. Why put off your best? Why put off your best to some future moment? 
some future time. Why wait? Take advantage of the day that you have. Your hour has come. There's no better time for the rest of us to benefit from what God has placed on the inside of you than now. I'm going to rewind that and say that again. There's no better time for the rest of us to see the things that God has put in you than now. Don't hold back from me. I benefit from the good that God has placed on the inside of you. Don't hold back from me. I need the good that God has put in you. Don't hold back from me. My life can be better. My life can be enhanced by the good that's on the inside of you. I need it now. I need it now. Don't, don't, put, don't make everybody else subject to, you know, having, experiencing, you know, any type of less than life because they're waiting on you to do your best. No, we need the best that you can bring right now. We need your best right now. Amen. And this is something that Jesus realized in that moment. Jesus was like, no, I've done all that I've done. I've given my best. I've glorified the Father. He says, I've revealed your name for them. And that's the mindset that I want us to have. We got to do our best. We got to give it. Uh, you know, part of my thinking is I think about, I have younger cousins and, and um, you know, my own, you know, personal motivation is they, they, if I go, if I go, can you hold this for me? If I go this high, if I go this high in life, if I go this high in my accomplishments or achievements, then, then I mean, they, they can go that high. Right. And that's that's that has to be our, our mindset. If I can push this thing, I want to push this thing as far as it can go. Why? Because I'm giving those behind me an even better opportunity. That has to be our mindset. That has to be our philosophy. I want to take this thing as far as it can go, because there's some folks that's coming behind me. I don't want to leave them. I don't want to leave the work that has been assigned to me to them. I believe all of us have a heart to really give an advantage, right? We give an advantage when I'm going to do all that I can do. I want to finish like David. David finished all that he was assigned to do. So then he said, since I'm still here, let me do something for my son. Let me do something for the next generation. That's what he did. He left the, the resources for the temple to be built. It wasn't his assignment. David had did every, David did everything that he needed to do. David was a warrior. The Bible says the end, at the end of David's life, he had conquered all the enemies of Israel. So David was really finished. But he didn't, get, he didn't stop at what he was assigned to do. He said, since I'm still here, let's see what else I can do. How much further can I push this? And Solomon was benefited from the work that David did. And that has to be our mindset. That is going to be our mindset. Amen or amen? Amen. Glory to God. No more waiting for the spotlight to shine on you to perform. You're going to live like you're deserving of the spotlight every day, and the spotlight will come. Amen. Tell your neighbor, go ahead and get your shine on. The passage continues. It says, glorify your son. This is 
Jesus speaking to the Father. He's praying, glorify your son so that the son may glorify you since you gave him authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. And here is, if if not the, one of the most important scriptures in the Bible. Here it is right here. John 17, verse 3. So Jesus says, he says, since you have given him, he's talking to the Father, the Father gave him authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life. This is eternal life. Here it is right here. So many people looking for it. So many people want it. What does it mean to have eternal life? How do I get eternal life? The rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked the same question. What do I need to do to have eternal life? What do I need to do to have eternal life, to live on forever? Jesus is about to answer that question. This is eternal life. I remember when I was in school and I learned some, you know, the history of Florida, right? That's part of y'all, right? Y'all probably have a little conversation about Florida history, right? And uh, one of the people I learned about was Ponce de Leon. Y'all heard of Ponce de Leon yet? Anybody ever heard of Ponce de Leon? Ponce de Leon was Spanish, if I'm not mistaken, but he was sent on a mission to go look for some new land, right? Well, part of the history or legend says that when he found Florida, you know, he, he ran it, he didn't, he found it for himself. I ain't going to talk about that too much, but, you know, he, 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 he landed here. Can I say that? His ship came to this place, the ship he was in. They found Florida, I guess, in some ways. But they say that what he was looking for when he found Florida, he was looking for the fountain of youth. You ever heard that before, the fountain of youth, right? There was this idea that there's a place, there's this, you know, fountain of water you can go to, and if you got in the water, it will restore your youth, Right? And there's, you know, there's all types of stories, even beyond, before Ponce de Leon, people believe that there's this fountain of youth, right? Well, Jesus told us about the fountain of youth a long time ago. It's right here in John chapter 17, verse number three. It's right there. He told us the answer a long time ago. He says, this is eternal life. And look what it is, that they may know you, God, to know God. That's eternal life, to know God, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. You know, we've been talking about this. We've been dancing around this subject ever since we started this, um, this sermon series on Victory Lap. Um, we've been reading through James, and we saw that James basically is saying the same thing. James says the same thing. Then we found it in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, where Paul says the same thing. And then we found it in 2 Peter chapter 1, where Peter says the same thing. Peter says, you know, how do you get to real peace? How do you get to real peace? How do you get to to have freedom from agitation and freedom from moral conflicts and freedom from all these challenges? And Paul says in Ephesians, he says, you know, the thing that I pray for you most, the thing that I pray for you the most is that you know God and you know Jesus as his son. And Jesus is saying that this is eternal life. This This is what it means to have eternal life. This is what it means to have victory over death. This is what it means to be free from fear. To really experience freedom is to know God and to know Jesus. The greatest gift we can give our children is knowledge of God and knowledge of Jesus. 
I know society and culture and all, you know, we, there, there are many things that we think are important to teach them. And, you know, even myself, you know, there are things that I've, I've, I've taught my daughter. I have, we have a, a five-year-old and a 15-year-old. And every birthday for my 15-year-old, every birthday we get together and we have some daddy-daughter time. And I just tell her where I was when I was the age that she's turning, right? So we get into the good years now. She's finally old enough to get into the good years because prior to, she's going to be 16. So all the years I've told her about so far, daddy was a naughty, naughty boy. So now she's six, turning 16. I get to get, tell her some good stuff. <laughs> finally made it. Praise the Lord. But in the process, you know, there are all types of things that we want to tell our children, right? We want to tell our children. We want to tell, you know, you know, daddies want to teach you, you know, you want to teach your sons how to be good athletes, and you want to teach them how to be gentlemen, and you want to teach them how to man up and, and all of that type of stuff. But this is the most important thing that we can pass to our children is knowledge of the father and knowledge of the son. That is like key. If there's nothing else that you give them, give them that. Knowledge of the father and knowledge of the son. And that's an everyday lesson. That's, a, that's, a, that's how, we, how you live as a family. Your expectation and your faith, you're communicating to them knowledge of the Father and knowledge of the Son. That's the most important thing that you can give them. And Jesus says that that is eternal life, them having knowledge of the Father and knowledge of the Son. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. And it's right here. He told us. It's right here. He even preserved it for us. Preserve that truth for us right here in the Bible. John 17, verse 3. So I'll tell you, like my favorite pastor, my favorite preacher often tells people, if you're looking for something to tattoo in your arm, you know, people get tattoos of all kind of Bible verses and everything. John chapter 17, verse 3 is a good tattoo to get right there. John chapter 17, verse 3. This is eternal life. Knowledge of the Father and knowledge of the Son. Verse 4 says, I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. How did Jesus say he glorified the Father? He glorified the Father by completing the work that he was given. Glory to God. That's good news right there. How do you glorify the Father? How are we going to glorify the Father? You glorify him by completing the work that you've been given. You glorify him by completing your assignment. All of us have an assignment. If you're here, you got an assignment. If you're here and you're breathing, you have an assignment. And don't complicate the assignment. Don't make it complicated. So many people spend years and years trying to identify and find their purpose. Listen, let me make it simple for you. You were put on this earth to glorify God. That's why you're here. You were born. You were created. You were made. Your assignment is to serve the kingdom of God. Your assignment is to help other people in the knowledge of God. That's your assignment. That's your purpose in life. Now, there are gifts that God has given you. There are things that you're good at. All of us have gifts. All of us have proclivities and things that we, are, we might be able to do better than the next person, right? But you use those gifts to glorify God. You use those gifts to expand the kingdom. So if you can sing, if that's your gift, you use that gift for your assignment, which is to serve the things of God. If your gift is to administer and administration, if you're good at getting things in order, then you use that to the glory of God. If your gift is teaching, you use it to the glory of God. If you're a good athlete, you use it to the glory of God. No matter what it is that your gift is, your assignment is really simple. Your assignment is to serve the people of God. And this is how it works. If you show up to do that faithfully, 
If you show up to do that faithfully, that's how you grow and you, get, you go uh, further to that thing that God has called you and gifted you to do. That should be everybody's goal. I just want to go further and further into the thing that God has called me to do. I want to go further and further into the thing that God has called me to do. My constant prayer is, God, how can I do more of what you've called me to do? How can I do more of what you've called me to do? How can I align my life so I can do more of what you've called me to do? And that should be your desire as well. How can you do more of what you've, called, you've been called to do? And let me, let me give you an answer to that question too. One of the ways that you can do more of what God has called you to do is by discipling other people to help you do what God called you to do. That's good news right there. You ain't got a shot about it, but that's a good one right there. I had to insert that little leadership thing in there right there, you know, because we believe that we disciples making disciples. Let me tell you, one way to do more of what you've been called to do is get some other people to help you do what it is that God has called you to do. You multiply yourself. Amen, amen. I know. Hallelujah. <laughs> Verse 5, he says, now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. Listen to this. He says, now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. Understand this. There's a former glory we're all being restored to. I'm going to read the verse again. Jesus says, glorify me with that same glory I had with you before the world existed. So Jesus here in that time, in the garden, while he's praying, he's looking back and he's saying, Father, glorify me with that glory I had with you before the world existed. And what I'm saying to you is that there's, there's a former glory for all of us. There's a former glory for all of us. I'm going to take you back. We've read it before, but we'll read it again. In James, James chapter 1. James chapter 1, look, starting at verse 23. Anybody reading through the book of James? Amen. A few people. Amen. I encourage you to look. I know it could, it may be, you know, it may be difficult because it's not a, there's not a flow to James. James reads almost like Proverbs, and it seems like some of the ideas are scattered around. But read through James. There's some good, good nuggets. One of them is right in verse 23, where James says this. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. James chapter 1, verse 23 from the Passion Translation. When you got it, say amen. James chapter 1, verse 23 from the Passion Translation. It says this. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face. Look what it says. Say it with me. What's the next three words? In the beginning. James says, if you look into the word, the written word, you're like a man who looks at his reflection and he sees himself as he was in the beginning. In the beginning. See, there's a former glory for all of us. In the beginning. You hear that? Let's keep going. He says, 
Now, Father, um, if you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. He realizes how he was originally. What is this telling us? What is looking through the scripture do? What is seeing Jesus do? I told you, when we see Jesus, when we see his ability, it shows us our capability. When we see the degree of love and the, the unity that he had with the Father, he shows us what's available to us. He is our example. Jesus shows us how we were designed to be. Jesus shows us who we were designed to be. When we see Jesus, we see God's original plan for mankind. So when I look in the scripture, it's like I'm looking in the mirror and I'm seeing how I'm supposed to look. So Jesus says, glorify me with the glory I had from you originally. Jesus saying, glorify me with the glory. You know, I've been on this earth for 30 years and I got some stress. Jesus had some stress. He was in the garden sweating drops of blood. He had some stress. Jesus knew he was going to take on sin. Jesus knew that he was facing challenges. And in this moment, he says, glorify me so that I look like what I looked like before all this stress. I, I'm not quite there yet. Well, you know what? I, I am. I'm at the age. I don't, have, I don't have wrinkles. No wrinkles yet, you know. But I do look in the mirror, and there's some grays popping up. I know it may be hard for some of y'all to see them, but I see them, right? And I know some of you, you know, you looked at yourselves in the mirror, and, and, and you're beautiful. I'm telling you that right now. You're beautiful. But I know that you look, you look at yourself today, and you say, you know, there was a time. There was a time. Some of you look back at your old pictures, you know. I found my old high school graduation picture. I said, you know, my goal is to look like that again one day. <laughs> what Jesus is saying, he's praying to the Father and he's saying, restore to me the former glory. I want to go back to how I was before I came and lived on this earth. I want to go back to how I was before I suffered anything, before I had relationships and broken relationships, before I had people talk bad about me, before I had the stress of all this earth stuff. Restore me back to that former glory. And I'm saying to you, there's a former glory for all of us. There's a former glory for all of us. James chapter 1, verse 23, 24, that's what it's saying. He's saying, you know, when we look into the perfect law of liberty, when we look into the law of God, when we look into the love of God, when we see Jesus, we're looking at what we're supposed to look like. I'm seeing myself and I'm seeing what I look like before the fear. I'm seeing myself and I'm seeing what I look like before the pain. I'm seeing myself and what I look like before the stress. I'm seeing what I look like before any hurt. Before any, 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 all of that stuff, all of that stuff, before all of that stuff. There's a place in God where you can be restored. There's restoration for you. That's good news. That's good news. That's good news. That's good news. That's the gospel. I'm telling you, there's restoration for you. That you can return to a place before all the stuff. My goodness, that's good news. 
I'm so glad that I can return to a place before all the stuff, before all the bad decisions that were made, before I tried all that, you know, all did all of that stuff. There's a place still reserved for me. God didn't forget it. God didn't throw it away. My bad decisions didn't undo the glory that was already reserved for me, and I can be restored back. I can be restored back. God didn't get rid of it. God didn't get rid of it. You can be restored back. My counsel, and I, and I so far I've shared this with, with mostly men, but I share this with men, you know, men that have been through some things and, and um, you know, they, they're coming back into the things of God. And I encourage them, I say, listen, just spend more time praying in the spirit. Spend more time praying in the spirit. Because, you know, in life we see things, we witness things, we subject ourselves to stuff. We're subjected to and we subject ourselves to trauma. We see things that we were not supposed to see. I think about men who served in military. They've seen things that no person was supposed to see. Men who fought in battle. I mean, the rest of us, you know, we can't, can't imagine some of the things that they've seen. How do you overcome? How do you get beyond things that you have seen? How do you get beyond trauma that you have experienced? My, my, my encouragement is spend more time praying in the Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit knows. The Holy Spirit knows the former glory. Holy Spirit knows the former glory. I encourage you, you spend more time in the Word. The Bible says that the Word washes us. It washed, washes us over, renewed in the Word of God. The more time I spend in his presence, the more time I spend in the things of God, I'm being restored to the former glory. All those things that are on in the inside of my head, all the things that I've witnessed, all the trauma that I've been subjected to, it can be undone. It can be undone. Glory to God. There's a former glory for all of us. That's good news right there. He says he'll restore your youth. Your youth is renewed. Your strength is renewed. How did Moses, at 120 years old, he says that his strength wasn't, uh, his strength wasn't weakened and his eyesight wasn't abated. Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights on two different occasions with the Lord, spending time in his presence, fellowshipping with God. He was restored to the former glory. That's good news right there. Glory to God. I like that one. Chew on that one for a little bit. Amen. Verse 6 in James 17 says, I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from the world. They, they were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. That's good news in that. That's how a leader thinks. He says, now they know that everything you've given me is from you. Everything you have given me is from you. Verse 8 says, because I have given them the words you gave me. They have received them and have known for certain that I came from you. They have believed that you sent me. Here's a point for you. What has the Lord given you that you're giving others? What has the Lord given you that you're giving others? Jesus is saying that the things that you gave me, I'm giving to them. You gave me your word, and I'm giving them your word. And I got to go back here. 
Because sometimes as, as, as parents or as influence, influencers, we want to give people the stuff that we know. We want to give them what we got. We want to give them our experiences, right? We want to share with them us. Jesus said, I ain't come here to share you, give you what I know and what I got. I came to give you what he gave me to give you. The best thing that you can do for your children is give them the word of God. And he says that the way that they knew that I was from you was based on what I gave them. Sometimes the disconnect, the disconnect is you've been given you. You've been given your conventional wisdom and your experience. And the people you've given it to don't recognize it as being from God. So they identify where you from. I, that came out. That just came out. I just opened my mouth, and that's what came out. I'm going to say it a different way. I'm going to say it a different way. You know, you, you grew up on, um, you can elbow him. You grew up on 36th Street, South St. Pete. You know what happens on 36th Street, South Pete. Some of y'all know what happened on 36th Street, South St. Pete. Some of y'all might not know what goes down on 36th Street, South St. Pete. You know, um, I spent some time on 36th Street, South St. Pete, so I know some of the things that happen. So that's your block. So you felt in yourself that it was important for you to represent where you are from. And now you have influence over people and you're sharing with them where you're from. And that's how they identify you. Jesus said, I made it my business to only give them what I received from the Father. And they knew that I was from the Father by what I gave them. I don't know about you, but I would love for my children to have the testimony that their father was a man of God. Well, the only way that they will be able to do that is based on what I give them. If I only give them things that come from me, they can't make the connection. But if I give them what I've received from him, they'll be able to tell the evidence is in what I'm giving them. And from that information, they'll know that their their father is a man of God. I know I'm preaching better than y'all clapping, but that's all right. That is all right today. That is all right. That is all right today. Glory to God. Jesus says, I pray for them. I pray for them. Jesus says, I take time to pray for them. And listen, he's not just talking about praying for them, but the word there, the actual word, you know, our translations use the word pray. But what he is saying is, I ask for them. I ask for them. I ask you. I'm asking God, not for me, but I'm asking for them. And this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is leveraging his relationship. Oh, that's good news. As leaders, as influencers, as parents, you should be leveraging your relationship. I got a relationship with my daddy God, and I'm using that relationship to benefit you. I ask for them. That's what he's doing. I'm asking for them. Jesus says, I ask for them. I pray for them. I'm asking for this favor for their behalf. Jesus is leveraging his relationship with the Father to ask for something that will benefit someone else. I'm not praying for the world because they don't belong to me, but I'm praying for those you have given me. 
because they are yours. Everything I have is yours, and everything you have is mine, and I am glorified in them. He's saying, I don't have authority over everybody, and that's the same with you. I hope you, hope you realize that by now. You ain't got authority over everybody. Well, look what he says. I don't have authority over everybody, but for the ones you've given me authority over, I'm giving you back everything you've given to me. I ain't got authority over everybody, but for those that I do have authority over, for those that you have given me, I'm giving them back to you. I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. Verse 12 says, while I was with them, I was protecting them by your name. That's authority. I protected them by the authority that you have given me. Oh, my goodness, parents and grandparents and and overseers and influencers understand that you have been given authority. You've been given authority over everything that God has put in your custody or put in your charge. You have been given authority. And Jesus says that I protect them with this authority. I guarded them and not one of them is lost except for the one that was supposed to be lost, right? So that the scripture may be fulfilled. Verse 13 says, now I'm coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy completed in them. I have given them your word. I have given them your word. Let us commit to this being our testimony. I have given them your word. I might not be able to give you a car, but I'm going to give you his word. I might not be able to give you a house, but I'm going to give you his word. There may be some things that I can't give you, but one thing I can, I can give you what he gave to me. He gave me this word, and I'm giving you this word. The world hated them because they are not of this world. I got to say this again for the young people in here. The world hated them because they are not of the world. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. There's a strong temptation to try to fit in. But you know, you weren't made to fit in. There's a strong temptation for you to try to be the same. But understand that you are not the same. You're of a higher quality. You're of a different breed. There's been something deposited on the inside of you that makes you stand out. I remember talking to um, um, middle schoolers some years ago. We were at the Palazzo. I was teaching a middle school class, and I basically told them the same thing. You know, we weren't meant to, say, to stand out. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And one of the young ladies, one of, a middle schooler, actually raised her hand and said, she, she, and she said, she said, um, I don't understand that. Why, why do we have to be different? Why do we have to be different? And what she was expressing was a desire to be the same. I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be the same as everybody else. I don't want to be different. And what you got to understand, young people, that God hasn't, God has called you, and you know what? This ain't just for young people. This is for all of us. Amen. We can try to fight it as much as we want to, but when the word of God and the truth of God has been deposited on the inside of us, you will not fit in. 
It's like trying to take a square peg and put it in a round hole. You will not fit in. You weren't caused, you weren't, you haven't been called to fit in. You've been called to be salt and light. You've been called to be solution. If you're going to be the solution, you can't, you, you can't be stuck in the same place. You have to have a higher perspective of things. You got to be able to, you, God has put it in you to see things from a different vantage point. You've been gifted to see the things that other people can't see so that you don't, you're not stuck like everybody else. Do you understand that? You've been, you've been old enough. You ride down the highway. You've seen the ambulance or the police come and try to help somebody pulled over to the side of the road. Y'all seen that before? Well, if the police got flat tires and the person they're trying to help got flat tires, how, how is the help going to help? Somebody got to be in a position to help. You've been put in this world to help. God is equipping you to help. That's why you see it differently. Okay? And it's difficult. And I don't, I don't know if I had the words, but I remember being in that place where you, you, where you felt awkward and you knew that you didn't fit in. You try to fit in, but you just didn't fit in. But this is the beauty in it. Parents, influence, influencers, guardians. The beauty in it is that God is building an ark. God has a place where you do fit in. There are other people who believe like you. There are other young people being taught like you. There are other people who want to live for God. There are other people who are on fire for God even in their youth. And that's your place. That's the place where you do fit in. That's the place you go to for your strength and your friendships and your relationships. We got to take advantage of it, grown people. And listen, the world, there's so much competition for your time and your resources. And I know that it's so easy to get caught up in wanting to take your children to other places and have them involved in all these other things because there's so much. And I know that you, you know, they, they, they got no kids that are in gymnastics and they know kids that are playing on the soccer team and on the baseball team and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to put it out here like this, you know. You fix it up. You talk to me in a foyer and I'll fix it up for you. But why, are, why would you subject your children by putting them in places where they spend two, three, four hours in place where the covering, the head, the authority ain't trying to live godly just for the sake of having them involved in something? I don't, why would I put my son, if I had a son, why would I put my son on a football team where I know the coach be cussing children out? Just for the sake of him being on a, playing football? Why would I put my daughter on a basketball team where I know the coach has a, lives an alternative lifestyle? Just for the sake of having them involved in something? No. Not when there are alternatives. My daughter, um, Mackenzie, was on the, um, in, the, in the band. You know, we have, we're Revealing Truth Ministries some years ago started a, um, a, a nonprofit organization, a community organization with the goal of reaching 1,000 kids a week. It's called Embracing Legacy. A part of Embracing Legacy is a marching band. Mackenzie was in the marching band at two. She was in the marching band. She was an auxiliary dancer, right? And she spent some time in the marching band, and now she's in the choir, the children's choir. And there's also robotics. 
and there's scholars and leaders, and they have a, there's um, artists of vision, and there's more to come. When we have an alter, we, we, you have a godly alternative. You have a godly alternative. Why subject them to something else? Where most of the time you're tempted to just drop them off and leave them in the care of someone else. Jesus said that, uh uh-uh, the ones that you gave me authority over, oh, I'm giving them back to you. I'm taking full responsibility. Jesus was like, ain't no drop off. You gave them to me, I'm going to make sure they make it back to you. We have to have the same mindset. God, you've given them to me, I'm going to make sure they make it right back to you. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. All right, let's close this out. Verse 15 says, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you, that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them. This Miss Paula prayed this also this morning, that we be sanctified. What does it mean to be sanctified? Say sanctified. sanctified. To be sanctified means to be set apart. To be sanctified means to be set apart. He says, sanctify them by your word. We cannot isolate our children. I'm not talking about putting your children in some safety bubble. Because we are in this world. We're in this world. What will sanctify your children in this world? The word of God on the inside of them. The word of God in them will distinguish them. The word of God in them. When you've inserted the word of God into their thinking, they will be set apart. They will be in situations where they know the difference because you've inserted the word of God in there. They will know right from wrong because you've inserted the word of God in there. They will know, they will know when the exit comes. They'll know it. All of us did. All of us. All of us. You know, you might not have always chosen the exit, but you knew the exit was coming. Amen or amen. amen. You sanctify them with the word of God. Don't be coward. Give your children the word of God. Five or 15, seven or 17, give them the word of God. Give them the word of God. It will sanctify them. Amen. Amen. And this, we're going to get to the verse that I really want to get to. Verse 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And here it is, verse 19. You can put a star by it, highlight it, do whatever you need to do. I sanctify myself. I've set myself apart for them. I sanctify myself for them so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. What is he saying? I set myself apart, not for myself, but for them. There are things that I decided not to do for them. There are places I decided not to go for them. There's an example I decide to set. There's a way that I decided to live for them. I sanctify myself for them. I sanctify myself for them. I adhere to a, a, a disciplined regimen 
for them. I adhere to the things of God, and I, I pray, and I read, and it's not all for me, but it's for them. I've sanctified myself so that they may be sanctified. I kept myself away from things so that they will keep themselves away from things. This is the mindset of a leader. This is a mindset of an influencer. This is how Jesus was thinking about us. And I'm saying that this is the way that we need to adopt. This is the thinking that we need to have. I'm sanctifying myself for them. Glory to God. I sanctify myself for them. So that they have an advantage. I sanctify myself for them. I choose to do things differently for them. I choose to have integrity for them. Yeah. I ride around, me and Mackenzie spend a lot of time in the car together. And once upon a time, you know, I like, I like, you know, gospel rap and, you know, some of y'all might know, I like Social Club and Lecrae and, and she's just five, so she's not able to, she hasn't, she's, you know, she hears the music with a certain beat. And in, in some of the songs, they, they you know, they're kind of edgy. You know, they, they say, they use bad words like stupid and shut up. And they might call somebody dumb or something like that. And in her five-year-old mind, she hears that and she just knows they're saying bad words. So one day she rebuked me. She said, Daddy, why are you listening to this stuff with these bad words in it? I mean, I've, I've tried to explain it to her before, Coach, but she, you know, in her mind, it's just bad words. I tell her, she ain't allowed to say shut up. So it's a bad word. And in her mind, she's like, Daddy, how you telling me not to say? These are bad words, but you listening to this music with these bad words in it. So I stopped listening to them. I don't listen to them. Not when she in the car, I don't listen to them. I'll just listen to some regular gospel and praise and worship. Things that she relates to, I know that's for God. I know that's for Jesus. You know, and that's a, that's a small occasion, but I'm willing to sanctify myself, set myself apart for her sake. That's the mindset that we have to have. That's what we're called to. Because this work that we do, the distance that we go, they pick up where we leave off. It doesn't end at us. It's to be continued in them. And that's how we have to live. Amen? Amen. Stand on your feet. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.